Hi, Paul. Hi, Rich. And welcome all to Lights, Cameras, Distractions, a podcast about unlived dreams, unrealized ambitions, and the not-so-gentle art of procrastination. We look at these phenomena in a creative context, as that is our forte, but this show is likely to appeal to anyone who has ever dreamed of playing an instrument, attempted to learn another language, or indeed traveled to far-off places. So, as this is our first time out the gate, we should give a little introduction and to ourselves and why you should listen to us. Um, if you do happen to be listening to us right now, um, a big thank you, obviously, and we hope you enjoy our podcast enough by the end to share with your friends. And uh, if you're an international listener, you'll have noticed that we uh, that we talk funny, as we're both from the UK, uh, specifically from the north of England, from a place called Sheffield. So you can expect a few northern idioms like sound and sorted. Uh, for the most part, we'll try and make ourselves understood. So, um, yeah, we're going to say a little bit about ourselves. I'll go first. My name's Richard Brind. I'm a musician. I grew up with a love of all things creative, comedy, TV, writing. I took up guitar just as I was turning 16. I can remember still I being up to like four in the morning, just practicing riffs over and over again, trying to get my my brain round um you know how you how you play guitar and uh, how you make music i went and studied music at college played in front of people for the first time uh, which is obviously always the nerve-wracking bit i discovered i had a love of, of songwriting and i left college not sure what i wanted to do career-wise found myself going to university where i worked with more musicians kind of developed my my skills a little bit uh, I played solo gigs for the first time. I also started to take an interest in teaching, music in the community. After I left uni, I moved around a couple of different jobs, uh, settling finally as a technician in schools and colleges, um, various different ones. And all of that has led me to the point where I now feel lucky enough to be working in the theatre industry as a technician. But uh, that's me, briefly. Paul, tell the listeners about yourself. Yes, well, my name is Paul Thomas, and I'm also from Sheffield originally. And uh, I've always had a real interest in art and music and films. Um, and that developed into quite an interest in how films are made, the various processes that go into the production of movies. In university, I took a course in creative media, which explored some of the finer aspects of movie making, pre-production, cinematography, screenwriting. And I would say I've always had an interest in that. And in my spare time, I had often liked to make up stories and come up with ideas for films. And it was always great when I found other people who also were interested in those kinds of things and just uh, sharing ideas, really, and thinking about how something could turn out if it were ever brought to the big screen. Unfortunately, I've, I've not had a great deal to do with that in recent years. So I've done a number of jobs that have really just been for the sake of making money more than anything else. Um, I also got into teaching uh, at first, I was a cover supervisor and a teaching assistant in the UK. And more recently, I have been working in Japan, where I've been an English language teacher 
in the process, I've been able to expose myself to the Japanese language and to be able to learn that um, as well. So that's my background. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's uh, yeah, definitely. You, you're you're here, sort of um, our experiences with with different environments, and you know, in Paul's case, an experience with a, a different culture, which kind of leads me on nicely to sort of uh, what our podcast is going to be like, what format it's going to um, take. So over the course of our series, should you choose to listen, we'll be talking about um, a number of projects, creative projects that um, either both of us or one of us have attempted to get off the ground. A great thing I think about creative people like ourselves is that we are very process-oriented. Yes, absolutely. I would, I would say the entire creative process from beginning to end really i think because of that we've come up over the years with lots of sort of different projects that we'll we'll talk about and you know we'll talk about the the effects that um these have have had on us the the learning experience that's come about from the the sort of the if you like failure of these ideas i know failure is a very strong word but sort of how the how it shaped the direction we've taken and just in general this this thing that we call life I would say not only does it explore our creative ideas and, and, and things that we've uh, thought of that could be interesting to put out for people to watch and listen to, but I think it's also a big reflection on our own journeys as people. There's a lot personally that goes into this, this, this line of work and, you know, people who are who are listening to this, who are sort of starting out, you know, they, they will hear us over the course of this series talk about more sensitive topics like, like stress, anxiety, depression, social and emotional hardships. And, uh, you know, if you've ever felt like this, you're, you're definitely not alone. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely not alone. There are ways to, to, to use your skills and, and um, make, something, um, make something good that people can appreciate. I think there's a lot to be said about um, self-expression. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people are stuck in very mundane jobs that they don't really enjoy, and they're not able to uh, realize their their ambitions and the the things that they have, uh, the things that they think of, and um, the things that they would like to share with the world get get unnoticed and, and never never see the light of day, which I think is a big shame. Yeah, yeah, of, 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 and that of course is is going to form some some big talking points of this podcast of how we've coped with those um, those less enjoyable um, you know jobs that we've had to do over the years that that have um, we've uh, we've been able to stay sane through those because of our creative leanings. To break the series up, uh, our episodes are going to take on a couple of different formats. Uh, we we sort of just covered the. The first one um, being a specific creative project, a film, a book, an album, a YouTube channel, perhaps. Uh, second format, we'll look at one of those bigger issues such as depression, self-esteem and our experiences of such. So in the in the third format, um, this will kind of be our end of term casual Friday type of episode. We'll, uh, we'll be recommending a film or filmmaker and an album or artist to each other. Uh, I think a good way to start this probably would be for us to to flip the script and for for me to recommend a film to you 
and for you to recommend an album for me so that we can get that different perspective on things. But uh, I think what we should do now is just talk a bit about how uh, you and I met, because we arguably met in circumstances that neither of us imagined being in. Uh, Back in 2015, we were both working as door-to-door charity fundraisers for our sins, as I like to say. To segue into this, I would like to sort of lay down a rule about this podcast in that when we're talking about employers or colleagues or acquaintances, I think it would be fair if we leave out any names or identifying details of these people or places to offer them that discretion. If we have permission from someone or if someone we know or admire was to come on this podcast, then obviously that's that's a lot different because I suppose it comes down to the fact that, you know, we will, as everybody does, we will uh, complain about experiences that we've had we'll complain about people we've we've worked with and about situations we've been in and if there's something that can identify that situation with a particular person or a particular place of work uh that could that could impact us and come back to bite us on the ass quite heavily so with that being said dick jokes no paul (laughs) how um how did we meet so we met uh as you say in a charity fundraising company um uh one whereby we would go door to door talk to people on the door and ultimately try to encourage them to make regular donations to a charity that we were representing on that occasion we would have a lot of staff training uh sessions and um it was in one of those that we met wasn't it yeah yeah there's sort of there's a couple of like flashpoints that you could probably remember of like when we when we first when when we first met, um, and that and that that wasn't a dick joke. That was that was entirely coincidental. I don't think I had any particular impression of of you other than the fact that you were sort of uh, just just quite generally sort of laid back and um, approachable. Perhaps perhaps a little too laid back at times. Do you know what I I know I've told you this before, Rich, but. I think one of the first things I remember actually talking to you about was um, I'd I'd seen a photograph on Facebook of you uh, perhaps a a year or two before. And uh, I I couldn't help but notice how your hair was um, particularly long and luscious, something I, I envied greatly. And I remember I remember picking your brains on this for for what to to you may have seemed like a lifetime thinking what what is this guy talking about <laughs> i mean we're still having that conversation in many respects aren't we yeah <laughs> not much has changed but yeah i definitely do remember that as being the sort of the the, the first conversation that we uh that 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 we that we had in a sort of um, pre-shift lull at the office um, when yeah most of us were sort of maybe around not doing very much and yeah we just had a yeah general sort of chat about hair and beards really um, we did we did I remember our first conversation as well it wasn't long before I became aware of your you know your interest in film and in acting because um on the subject of hair and and the, and the fact that the uh, 
the photo you're referring to is a photo of me at my graduation, uh, which would have been, yeah, just like a year and a half prior to, to us meeting. And um, that's probably sort of the peak of my hair growth. Um, when it comes to the point where I share pictures with listeners, you'll, you'll see Paul's hair has, has reached a lot more of a luscious state than mine. But um, it was during that conversation that you'd played me a, a little phone, a little clip on your phone of uh, of yourself with long hair. Do you uh, do you remember what that was? I think I do. Yes, uh, I believe that was when I tried to do a Joker impression. Correct. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, I know you did uh, martial arts around sort of a similar around that sort of time. And I don't know whether you filmed it there or not, because I remember definitely seeing crash mats and stuff in the background. It was, yeah, you, you, you're quite right. I, uh, I actually had the key to that place, and I, um, I opened up after hours. Probably shouldn't have done it, but um, I, um, yeah, I uh, had my way with the, um, with the wide open space, and um, yeah, it was, it was quite an eventful uh, little thing. No, I've, I've definitely one of my previous jobs in a Catholic school. Um, there was a day of the week where I would have access to the keys, and and there were videos out of that that came out of that of me playing the grand piano in the hall. So it's uh, it's something I think we've I think we've all done if we've had the opportunity to do it. We've we've all had the the urge to kind of get that creativity out in that moment. Your your voice acting was kind of definitely something that. Uh, I remembered from those sort of early days of knowing you. I remember us uh, being in uh, a pub in Sheffield called the Howard, and um, we were in there with a, with a few fellow fundraisers, and um, I just remember one of our colleagues being quite um, adamant that they could do the best um, Bane uh, impression um, that anyone would ever have heard, and you know another another Batman villain, and um, you proceeded to to pick up a pint glass and, and go into your best Bane impression, which I, I think is probably the most solid one I've heard. That's very kind of you. Um, to be honest, I'd, I'd forgotten, I'd forgotten that encounter. You'll have to, um, later on, you'll have to tell me who that was because I can't remember, but um, yeah, I think, I think it, it was a bit of a double-edged sword because uh, I think some people thought it was hilarious, but I think I garnered a lot of ridicule from my peers in doing so. I mean, it's all relative to like who you're with, I suppose. Some people do view it as 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 a bit too clingy, a bit too attention seeking. Um, others will view it as uh, you know as more as more endearing and as more entertaining. I think there was even a part of even a part of me that kind of felt that um, there was a bit of an attention seeker in there. Um, if uh, yeah, obviously, if you don't mind me saying, all these years later. Oh yeah, I, I've always known it. Um, I think that's what drove me at first. That's that's something that that made me uh, want to pursue. Maybe even I dare say a a career in acting, but of course, well, without wishing to get ahead of myself, um, uh, things things didn't quite turn out that way. <laughs> No, no, but I, I think, I think definitely, you know, ego plays a part whether you sort of fully acknowledge it or not, and I, and I think sort of um, like people like my myself, I've always had kind of a big interest in writing and in the creating from from sort of nothing, and you know, the idea very much of writing is that you don't always 
you don't always perform it yourself. You're not always a, a performing kind of person. You might give that to someone else to perform. And that kind of sometimes it might mean that you that you feel that you have less of an ego. It doesn't actually mean that you have less of an ego, but it can mean that you feel you have less of an ego, if you, if you know what I'm, I mean. It's interesting, isn't it, really? Because I, uh, I think it says a lot about a person who um, is, is prepared and willing to, let's just use an example of the music industry, um, to write a song for someone else and for that person who records the song to maybe get more um uh you know appreciation and um notice from from people when when really it was um in large part due to someone else who wrote it yeah yeah and and that i think that probably you can probably put that down as well to how um how you relate it to your experiences you know if i write a song and i give it to someone else to perform uh the song is going to be you know the the lyrics of the song is always going to be based on my experiences but whoever I give it to is going to filter it through their experiences and the audience is going to be in on, is going to kind of be let in on their, their lives and uh, not so much mine. And, and it will sort of, it'll provide that kind of distance and that kind of privacy that I think, um, you know, is definitely, you know, why people go for sort of writer director kind of roles is that they like that kind of, uh, distance it puts between them and the work i mean you know there's there's obviously there's the parallel there with with films isn't it that 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 and and indeed theater where a lot of actors will take on a role and they will filter it through their own experience and put their own spin on it yeah absolutely yeah i think um i think i think when you're acting especially you've 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 got that permission to 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 let go of uh who you really are and um i suppose you can you can sort of become someone else entirely um and i think i think a lot of actors um if you think about someone like johnny depp for example or um you know the more kind of introverted actors they 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 allow that they they allow the role to for them as a as a kind of as a means for them to um express themselves and and then you know, once they're out of character again, they're they're back to their kind of um, shy, sometimes shy, meek selves. But uh, yeah, that that sort of um, you know how how we how we met really, and sort of how we um, yeah how we got to know each other sort of from there. Um, it's just lots of sort of um, general uh, hanging out really. You know, going out for 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 drinks or or meals or sometimes nights out things that you and i will be more interested in than the average listener i would expect yes indeed we uh we had a fair few uh fair few nights out um fair few drinking sessions um and uh might i just mention um if you don't mind my doing so um rich recently got married hey yeah i'll put the applause in um as we record this, it's um, coming up to a month ago, and um, I believe you probably were going to say something else. So Rich um, very, very thoughtfully asked me to serve as his best man. I have no idea what he was thinking. Must have been out of his mind. <laughs> but uh, I'd say it went reasonably well, wouldn't you? Yeah, no, I, I, th I think it was. I think it was a, a lovely day, and and it was it was really 
because I can't thank you enough for being a, a part of that. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, over the years, we've kind of been a, a part of each other's journey. So what I'm going to say now is I'm, I'm going to say that, that we're going to go, that we should go way, way back um, in our lives and, and back to our childhood, our sort of origins, if you like, and kind of how we how we got to a certain state, like how I got to that stage when I was 16 and learning guitar and, and, and how you sort of got to the stage where you went away to, to college and university to study media and film. So again, I can, can go first. Um, so, so if I think back, uh, for the first song that I can remember hearing, uh, sort, of, um, sort of hearing properly and a song that sort of wasn't from a, from a kid's show, and I, I think that I think I'm right in saying that the song may have been "We Will Rock You" by Queen. I think one of the first questions I remembered asking was was uh, about sort of music was why do the walls shake when when neighbors play loud music and sort of being told at the time that it was to do with the vibration caused by the music, and that sort of been would have been the first time I knew that would have been the first time that I'd have known that there was a physical kind of effect created by music and volume like uh, like most people i think it's it's hard to talk about my childhood and, and not talk about the beatles so so let's talk about them now my my dad as well as my uncle was and is a huge super mega beatles fan and i, I found out around the age of about eight that my dad had been in a band in the early 90s that had played around Sheffield clubs and they'd sort of obviously you know that they, they'd obviously you know taken their influence from from the Beatles as well as lots of other Britpop bands around at the, at the time and stuff and um you know he was uh, he was their drummer uh, and I think perhaps because of that and uh, and because of Thomas the Tank Engine um another thing my childhood doesn't really exist without um that's kind of, that kind of gravitated towards me me towards Ringo because I kind of think with Ringo Starr, it is sort of like um, that sort of that that personal that personability, that laid backness. It is kind of like hearing your dad sing to you, you know. Um, but that would have been the first Beatles thing related that I listened to, um, bar the occasional song. Like the first Beatles album, like was was Ringo's "Good Night Vienna" album on cassette. Uh, and I, I I listened to that not long ago actually, and I and I still do really like it. Uh, I mean, I think at at sort of that younger age, I'd have been aware of people like Cat Stevens and sort of vaguely aware of people like Bob Dylan and what have you. But it probably wasn't until I got into college and deep into sort of being a musician myself that I sort of developed that that kind of appreciation. It's um, it's because because when I started out actually playing guitar, I started playing um on an electric guitar. It was like like a cheap uh, electric guitar from from Littlewoods, if you remember them, uh the uh, the catalogue, um that I went halves on with my mum. Um, I mean really it would have been half between my mum and dad probably because that would have been money, the money that I'd have put to it would have been money I'd have got off my dad. So, um, it was kind of yeah. It's not really much of a contribution on my part, but uh, yeah, that that was sort of when I first learned, and it, it was only sort of years later that I found out that a good deal of people who, you know, learn to play guitar will start on on an acoustic. Th there's sort of you have to develop a bond with sort of 
an acoustic guitar because you can obviously take an acoustic guitar anywhere um, before you sort of become an, a, an electric player. And it was it was a perspective that I didn't really know of until until then because I'd been, you know, a teenager and then it had been all about volume and making everything loud. Mm, yeah, that's something I, I certainly missed out on. Um, maybe I would say it's even one of my regrets, the fact that I never actually learned to play any musical instruments. Is, is there like anything like ab- about music and about music making that sort of particularly interests you or has particularly interested you over the years? I've found myself uh, from time to time quite interested in music theory and um, why why people compose um, compose things in a certain way, you know, major keys, minor keys, um, how that contributes to the to the feel of the music. Um, Obviously, other things like tempo and, um, well, I don't want to go bandying about words uh, that I may not know. <laughs> You'll be able to give us more information on these things, of course. I don't know. I think I think like most things, you, you, you probably know more than you think you do. And, uh, yeah, over the over the course of future episodes, when we talk about um, music a bit more deeply, you'll you'll probably have you'll probably have more to say than you think. But uh, there's quite there's a few things that sort of interest me about 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 film sort of aside from the actual storytelling aspect of it. I would say I'm very interested um, still in 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 cinematography. That's something I find intriguing about film and about TV is the the choices um, of particular color palettes. So um, the the colors that the items might be within a particular scene or the colour treatment that you might give um, a, a piece of film once you've recorded it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think, uh, I think as, as in music, when it comes to um, cinematography, uh, I think every decision is, is very deliberate. Nothing's uh, left to chance. So if you see that a film evokes a certain mood or a certain atmosphere of, let's say, dark and gloomy or bright and happy i think it's 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 no accident it's always it's always precisely finely tuned you're sort of you'll know what you're watching before anything has particularly happened so like for example that the, the sort of an example i'd pluck out of my head because 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 i love the show and and um and and alice who is who is my lady wife for the listeners um a series we love is ashes to ashes um the um, the BBC eighties um, cop drama. It's obviously it's a sequel to the previous one, Life on Mars, which was set in the seventies with you know the same set of characters and everything and 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 same same sort of ideas and everything. But um, they made some sort of great choices with color um, palettes and how it reflects the show. So you get you get the first series, which is very there's lots of like light blues and reds which is kind of ties in with the fact that that series is a lot, the first series of the show is a lot more upbeat, a lot more sort of, um, you know, weren't the eighties crazy and over the top, um, you know, which they were, but then you get to the next series and it is a bit more, there's a lot more grays and browns and it's a lot more sort of, you're going, you're now going into this world. It's not like, um, Oh, this is the eighties. This is the eighties. It's like, yeah, this is the eighties, but there's a story going on here. It's not just about where the story is set; it's about the mood of the story and about the tone. And then you get into the third series, 
there's lots of really dusty like browns and blacks and everything and it's really taken down to a very musty sort of level where the the it all it looks almost like they've uh like they've treated the film to look like a eight like it's on an 80s vhs because it's the it's become so muted to reflect sort of the the darker turn the series of has taken and kind of the deeper that it's gone into the lore of the of the characters and the story absolutely that's that's a great observation uh it's not something i i'd considered actually um i don't think i've seen all series of ashes to ashes but i saw the first and i remember quite liking it um i think uh this this will be news to no one that um of course, uh, both Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes are, in fact, Bowie songs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, I think is another interesting thing that the, the writers or directors, producers have decided to do in terms of um, sense of real sense of continuity and structure between the two. So as well as me listening to Ringo's Goodnight Vienna on cassette, um, when we go on family holidays, my dad would play um, a lot of cassettes in the car um, with um, with lots of 60s songs on them, which he'd made himself, which kind of really impressed me at the time. He'd put the compilations together himself and recorded them from CD to, to cassette. Um, and I found out how to do that so many years later. Um, but then, but it kind of got me interested in the whole idea of tape recorders and the idea that, you, you know, that this is a very... It's a very simple, relatively affordable way of putting your your, your sort of your voice down on on tape. Like I I remember, you know, you could used to in Poundland, you used to be able to get like packs of ten cassette tapes for a pound. Um, you could, uh, you know, tape recorders and little boom boxes with record functions were fairly easy to get hold of. It's obviously not great quality, but it's sort of you know for the time, it's um it's uh you know to to you first discovering it it's 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 amazing i don't know if you have any sort of equivalent um to that with regards like cameras or video recording i was uh, well i never really bought those kinds of things uh as a kid um i'm i'm sort of unusual in in the sense that even though i've i've been interested in filmmaking um i i never dabbled in it at a young age um it wasn't really until later on um so uh, i can't say i ever i ever really had any kind of equivalent to that yeah i mean i, I mean i i do think there is i think in general you know you mentioned a young age i think generally there is kind of like a a misconception i think that you have to be into something be really you know really young like you have to you know if you're if you're a musician you have to have like played an instrument since you were like five and and written songs since you were like 10 or 12 and that that's not my experience of it and so you it's not something you can apply as a blanket thing that people kind of get into it when they're a kid and they start making and creative stuff when you're young because you you know a you don't and b what you do create you know you're not always 100 percent proud of when i first got into um making little cassette tapes and using the, the recorders and the built-in microphones and everything and you know when I took an interest in all of this um part of it stemmed from the fact that as I say my dad was in a band he was a drummer and he'd sort of he'd recorded a lot of the band's demos this way and um when I when I started doing it you know I I do 
I do funny voices and sketches. I'd basically be copying what I'd seen on stuff like, like Monty Python, Morecambe and Wise, The Two Ronnies, all that kind of comedy that I'd have grown up with, with uh, you know, with my dad and, and family watching and everything. Um, and I'd call friends over and sort of, you know, mess about and, um, and sort of, uh, yeah, do our own sort of shows, like chat shows, radio shows, random comedy, singing, whatever. Um, it's something I kind of, yeah, subconsciously inherited off my dad because, again, that was something he did with his mates when he was, uh, I think he would have been a bit older than me at the time, sort of like around uh, 16 to 18. You know, you can get into creating at any sort of age. I mean, you know, I didn't save any of the cassette tapes I made. I've seen creators that I admire on YouTube and stuff who made little films as kids and they've saved all that. Um, but it was never it was never something that I quite as a kid, I wouldn't have had the confidence to, to do that, to, to, to save them, to show them to people, to preserve them in my adult life. So I think it's uh, it all comes down to your own sort of experience at it. And, uh, you know, we all go at our own our own pace, really. Yeah, to be honest, I I didn't have a clue what I was going to go into until uh, I'd say the year before when I was in year 11 at school and I knew I didn't want to do A-levels. Um, so I was, I was looking for a college course, um, to, to do after that. And I, and I still didn't really know what it was going to be. And, uh, I think I went to an open evening and, uh, I think I remember talking to someone in the department of media and, uh, media arts. And, um, I think it was just, just really just by chance uh, that I ended up doing that because uh, I think there were a few options on the table, um, all within the realms of, I'd say, creative endeavours. One was kind of like, one was woodworking. Um, but ultimately, I'm, I'm really glad that I decided to go with the uh, digital media one. Is there a sort of a time you remember, like when you first either like got up on stage or like saw yourself on on film or anything and thought uh i w that's good i want to do more of that i was i was proud of that or, or just in general the first time you'd ever performed in front of someone or sort of realized that you uh that you could if you like that you, that you, you know you could um that people would respond to the ideas that you have or the, the voices and characters you would do? Well, I, I'd never done any um, anything like that on stage, um, although it's a slightly different thing. I So in the martial arts school that I used to, um, that I used to train at uh, and later work at for a little bit, um, they had like kind of these award ceremonies when people would be awarded their next uh, belt or achievement you know uh to move on to the next level and they used to have kind of demonstrations and there was this thing called the demo team and i remember watching these guys um doing kind of martial arts you know demonstrations like um dynamic you know um sort of choreographed routines to to music and sort of being wowed by them and uh and really wanting to to do that myself and get onto the demo team and and so in well in in the end i did i think maybe i i think maybe after about a year of 
of training um i actually got onto that and and that was really the only kind of live performance i've ever done um and i think i yeah i did feel a lot of um there was a big a big uh, sense of satisfaction from from people's response to that when they would watch you and and like myself would be quite blown away by the uh by the display um and i suppose that that led me to to want to do something more like acting and because I'd always been like you mentioned yourself uh, I'd always really loved doing like voices and stuff at home and you know copying stuff I'd watched on cartoons or video games and so I think I think it's fair to say that that that, that had a had an influence on me as well yeah yeah it's kind of it's kind of what we talked about before with with your sort of your ego playing into it isn't it is that you're sort of um you know to put it bluntly showing off but to be a bit more subtle about it, a bit more detailed about it a bit more nuanced it's uh it's about um showing people what you've what you've learned and and the work sort of you put in to that and you know with anything that you know gets on requires you to get on stage and and um you know, rehearse and practice something is. I think particularly when you're when you're young in an environment, you know, where, where there's you know there's there's lots of different pressures, lots of different people telling you you should do this or you should do that or you should follow what other people do. There's there's definitely um, there's a sense of 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 sort of, of validation in that when you realise you know the amount of work you put in is just as valid as the amount of work that someone would put into uh, to any like physical activity or to or to any anything like 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 woodwork or building something yeah i think we all need a bit of attention from from our peers or even our parents or whoever it might be um and i i mean i was never particularly academic and i've got an older brother and sister who both were and so I guess that was my, you know, my thing was, was more creative and, um, you know, I suppose it was my way of saying, well, I can't, I can't be a doctor, but, uh, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about sort of finding that kind of, uh, individuality or anything. And I'll, I'll, I'll keep that point to one side. Cause I just, I, I just want to kind of talk about the first time that I would have ever performed on stage, um, would have been when I was in primary school and I was like 10 or something. Um, there was like a little school variety performance that the, um, I think that the head and the deputy head had, had written together. And, you know, the, you know, this is a thing that happens in, you know, schools up and down, up and down the UK. And, you know, I'm sure in other countries as well, you know, the, the head teachers in the UK sort of living vicariously through their own, you know, school play is is just as common here but um there was a that was a compilation of sketches and there was a sketch in that that was like a james bond spoof um and so it was just a two-person sketch there was someone playing james bond and there was someone playing the villain and um i auditioned for the for the role of of the villain um and i sort of i got it i remember getting it on the strength of the fact that i was very soft-spoken and that's, I guess, that's kind of a quality that that they, that that you see more in in villains than you do in heroic characters, I suppose. Um, but so soft spoken, in fact, that they did have to give me a microphone, um, 
because they said, you know, we're going to give it, we're going to give you this, but we're going to, you're going to play this role, um, which was called Doctor Yes, as a reference to Doctor No. That was my first ever experience performing on stage, and uh, I like the feeling of being being on the stage, and I like the feeling of you know bouncing off other performers and stuff. But I, I think another thing I did enjoy about it was the validation that came from that little interview um, audition process, the fact that I was uh, I was chosen, and uh, and you know there was a reason given for why I was chosen because sometimes I think when when actors go in for or musicians go, or singers go in for auditions they um they don't always get they don't always get the the feedback that they can work with uh but yeah that you know to be told we've given you this role because we feel that your delivery of the lines is effectively what they were saying i mean you know you couldn't really say that to a 10 year old and have them understand what you were saying <laughs> but that's effectively sort of what you were saying you know your voice is quieter therefore more sinister therefore we're giving you this role uh i don't know what that said about me on a personal level but yeah that was my first experience performing on a stage yeah yeah i could i could picture you as uh as a villain that's for sure yeah i had a stuffed cat and everything and a, and a little white suit um it's a shame there's no uh, there's no photos or video footage of it um anywhere um that you know that that would have been something that I probably would have have hung on to you know I've talked a bit about like about um comedy and about sketches and stuff and um I think for years as a kid I thought I was going to be a comedian or a comedy writer I you know I loved stand up um I loved you know sketch shows that was kind of the goal I had in my head but uh I I wasn't actually funny um <laughs> Like, I was never the class clown or anything. Like, I might make a few people laugh with, like, impressions of the teachers and everything, but that's, like, about as cliche as you can get um, for making people laugh as uh, as a kid. Like, I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what you think. In my school, there were a lot of teachers to make fun of, that's for sure. A lot of uh, odd characters. Um, I think I, I would say a similar thing. I never had any reputation for being the, you know the funny guy as such but yeah i think i had a few followers of, of mine who who did like the, the little things that i'd come out with I, I think there was a there was a lot of like um sort of i want to do this how do i do it how do i become this how how, how do i sort of um develop and do something creative like it, it was um it was tricky to, to find something because i would think i was very much um you know, very very much focused on sort of what I didn't want to do. So I knew I didn't want to get into anything like um, uh, woodwork or bricklaying or do an apprenticeship or join the army or anything. A lot of things that, that people, you know, we're now into secondary school now, like sort of year eight, year nine onwards. And, you know, we would, you know, people were obviously talking about what they were, were going to be doing. And uh, those was never the kind of things that interested me. But... I never had very much confidence in in drama lessons. I I never sort of excelled at that. Um, the music lessons, again, for sort of international listeners, it's it's kind of a thing in the UK that there are some schools that where you get to, when you get to year ten, which is around sort of the age of like fourteen, fifteen, some schools drop music completely. Others have the option of you studying it 
at that higher level, but some schools drop it completely. And my school was one of those. Um, and so I was kind of in an environment where people weren't really interested in, in music sort of beyond listening to it. And so I kind of never really gravitated towards that until I was sort of, um, you know, and, until I was 16. And it, it, it took, it did take me quite a while to, to, um, to find what it was you know i was dissuaded from from art i was dissuaded from uh from like writing and and sort of looking into like journalism and stuff like that because i'd heard that that's what a lot of novelists do before they write a novel is that they're a, a journalist and i sort of thought oh i have to do that then and uh yeah it, it obviously was never going to work with that kind of mentality really i still didn't get any encouragement when i decided that i wanted to pursue music but I think it was very much sort of uh, I've got to persevere with this this has to work and then I went to college to study music and you know I can save all that negative stuff for like any anti-bullying episode we do in the future but that's just kind of how I how I felt at the time that I wasn't getting very much encouragement and it was kind of there was a little bit of a battle to overcome that uh, what was your what was your experience around that time of your life I didn't I didn't have the best time at secondary school started off okay had a little bit a little bit of a dip in the middle with bullying as as we say we can talk about that at a, a later time uh but um yeah i think it, it got better i was really just trying to figure out what i wanted to do and i knew i wasn't a very academic person i had a feeling i i i wasn't going to do too well in my gcses which is the in the uk the um secondary education examination but uh, I, I didn't do too badly in my GCSEs I got I got about the minimum you need for for most um, higher education well further education courses and uh, I think I I was able to figure things out a lot more I was um, going through my my first couple of years in college doing my media uh, course you know, an unfortunate thing to, to, to have to say is that, you know, for a period of time, you will be on your own, you know, until you meet like-minded individuals. You know, I, I mean, you know, going back to my love of the Beatles and everything that, you know, the, the whole story around John and Paul meeting is the fact that before that, they'd never, neither of them had ever met anybody who could write a song, who knew how to write a song and who was interested in it. And so, you know, there's the period of you know their lives when they were sort of alone in their own sort of battle and their own sort of journey and uh, i think i think again it's an important thing to to say for for listeners that uh, that's something that um you know that that you will experience um but it's not something that's sort of going to be a forever thing yeah absolutely yeah couldn't agree more so it truly has been Bob, a, a whistle-stop tour of all these topics. But we've got one more we're going to cover today, and uh, it's everyone's favourite topic. It's uh, social media. Um, now, I thought this would be a good one because um, Paul, dear listeners, is, is not on any social media. Um, he, he mentioned, you know, he mentioned finding a Facebook photo of me, but that obviously, as we know, uh, you know, you don't have to be on a social media site to uh, to want to stalk other people's social media sites. While I'm not crazy about it, 
I do use a couple of social media sites and I found them helpful to sort of promote whatever project I've been focusing on or kind of share little videos and clips of me, um, you know, playing a, a, a song I might be working on or a song that I might have just learnt. Um, we, we all know there's more negative things about it and, uh, you know, that there's obviously there's the uh, the big conversation about um, about about cyberbullying and about people hiding behind their computers and posting about other people but it's definitely a a vocal minority you know co-opting these sites and it's like a it's a few bad apples poisoning the tree sort of thing i'm not i'm not necessarily averse to social media um certainly not for the same reasons uh you just mentioned but um i i suppose for me i've i've never felt i've never felt compelled to to get into it because I well it's hard to say really I've never really sat down and thought about it too much but I I kind of still feel like I'm not really missing out on anything particularly life enriching I don't know if you've had a different experience yourself yeah yeah well I you know as I say that there's there's kind of a balance but I I think in terms of life enriching stuff I I I do feel that that video sharing sites like like YouTube and you know, Instagram and TikTok and everything, you know, they've obviously, there's an extent to which they have a, a bad name because they have an emphasis on, on the amount of likes you get, the amount of views and followers you get, uh, how many people interact with you, what their opinions are, how well you're doing compared to someone else in terms of your popularity and, you know, your wealth, your well-being, all that kind of thing. So, you know, there's definitely there's lots of negative aspects that sometimes can be very hard to ignore. And and I think that's why on social media a lot more recently, there's been conversations, in, you know, in recent years regarding mental health. Because social media sites have had to acknowledge that inadvertently they have impacted on people's mental health in some way because of the people using it for negative reasons or for people going on there and kind of bragging about how good they are and sort of showing off how jealous people should be of them. But um, it is a good way of, of sharing, you know, your, your self-expression. And, and, you know, if, if, if I want to, yeah, if I have um, an, a song idea that I'm working on, if I have a, a song coming out, um, I'll promote it on, on Instagram and Facebook and whatever. And I'll do, I might do a little video where I talk about the song. I might do a little video clip where I play a, a, an extract from the song. It's, um, you know, there's, there's all sort of like different ways i might use it um and you know spotify in of itself you know I, I probably shouldn't say this but spotify does have a lot of issues like that from its royalty rates um you know to how the founders have used the money but it is quite simply the most convenient way for everybody to listen to music and um and you know and obviously podcasts please give us a home spotify <laughs> I mean, I I never thought of Spotify as social media. Actually, there's a line with some with some social medias, isn't there? Because like you, you know, you think of like Facebook and you think of Instagram. You're thinking of, you know, oh, they're the sites where people share photos and they share, you know, they share holidays that go on and stuff. There is a whole other side to it, which is people, you know, like like myself and like like you if you were to use it is to to co-opt it as a place for creativity you know like like for example 
um there's been a there's been a lot of there's been loads of different trends on tiktok but i think one trend that i've um that i've seen quite a bit of is like um and this again comes from like youtube reaction videos to them is you get these um get usually these these young guys like these 19 year old guys doing like this acting on on tiktok they're doing povs i've seen a couple where i've thought why well, i have actually thought these would be so these would be good if paul did them <laughs> if if someone who could actually act did them because they're, <laughs> they're dreadful but if someone like yourself was to get on there and actually use it as a platform to um to show you know to to show off your own sort of acting talent and your own sort of understanding of the craft of acting and filmmaking it'll bring a different set of eyes to it people will look at it in a different way you know rather than it being like having this reputation of, of being a site for vapid teenagers people lip-syncing you know all this stuff that arguably takes no talent that's very generous of you i i can't say i've seen any of those i'd uh, be interested to uh take a look and see just how how dreadful the acting is yeah 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 it, again it's entertaining to watch people react to it and and take the piss out of it um but definitely it's something that's probably worth sharing with you i hate to focus so much on tiktok but over the last few years it has been sort of the social media it's kind of um superseded quite a few of the others but the thing that i'd noticed every so often on tiktok is that i'd find educational content on there and then that might specifically be from other teenagers who might be helping their peers to revise by giving sort of like a breakdown of a maths equation or something little bites of information and there's some great ones you know of, of teachers making of making jokes and observations and sketches about the profession about the teaching profession and and because i have zero shame i'm going to talk about this that recently i've become interested in that side and how it can be used as a force for good and inspire people and that's kind of led to me to create my own tiktok which is at root underscore note, again, shameless promotion, where I talk about, you know, where I talk about music education and I talk about sort of the the areas that, that interest me. And all, all social media does have that bad reputation. And, you know, I'm not saying that it isn't, I'm not saying that it's totally undeserved because, um, you know, there's plenty of examples of it being observed, uh, being deemed deserved. But uh, yeah, that that is just me. I'm sure I've not convinced you in any way, shape, or form. The fact that I'm not on social media says less about me thinking it's uh, negative and more about just not seeing any real benefits for me and my kind of use of time. And we all know how how little time we really have in a day, right, and in our lives. So I. I Yes, that's probably where it, where my biggest uh, uh, objection lies. If I put the time in, I could uh, get something from it. I suppose, like most people, I've I've got a full time job, and I I don't know. I guess I I think that my my downtime, my I'm not so much thinking about the grind, you know of let's see how how i can reach out to people i suppose i'm thinking more about let's see how i can waste a, a couple of hours just watching something and getting some 
entertainment, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, definitely, you know, you have to think about, you know, your own sort of, your own sort of entertainment and, you know, we, you know, we're creators on this podcast, but yeah, I will definitely say that we are, we are consumers. You know, I mean, I will say keeping on top of social media is a, is a pain as well. Like, you know, I know unless it's your job, you shouldn't feel the need to post constantly, but it is a landscape, yeah, where it does, as you say, you know, it becomes about the grind, about getting that attention and getting those clicks. You know, I, I when I post something, when I post my music or I post a video, I don't imagine that people will remember it for long. So I have to try and push it. And I'm sure plenty of content creators out there do feel the same. And I, if money was no longer an object, I would hire someone to do it because it's the least satisfying part of creating something. The idea that, that I'm sort of sat going, you know, I haven't posted to Facebook or I haven't posted this to Instagram or I best not post on this subreddit today or they'll get sick of me, you know? Yeah, I can certainly see that despite never having had the same experience as myself um i think i think there's a lot to be said about someone making something not really for anyone else per se but for themselves you have to think about the value that it has for you being able to play you know being able to play an instrument or being able to um being able to act or being able to um you know make films or have an understanding of films and you know an, an appreciation you know of films and you know in my case music that the other people maybe don't quite see and hear and you're able to offer that other perspective on life and that kind of does make you a more rounded person yeah yeah no doubt that i think is a very nice note to finish the first episode of our podcast we've we've talked quite a lot and um yeah no it's it's been it's been immense fun is there anything you'd like to add it's been great fun yeah i uh i certainly hope everyone has as much fun listening to it and um yeah i i i can't wait until we can um we can share with you more of ourselves and our experiences and yeah Okay, we are going to call that a podcast. Paul, thank you for joining me today. And thank you, listeners, wherever you may be, if you're listening now or in the near future. A few words on how you can just support us. Uh, we are going to get a Patreon up and running at some point, and you can pledge just like a small amount, between one and five pound, to keep us going. If a lot of people give something small, that probably works in the long run. But we do understand that you know money's got to come from somewhere so if you don't feel you can give financially but you'd still like to feel you're supporting creators you love and you'd still like to you know get us out there just leave a review a like share with your friends and hopefully just we hope to spread our words as much as we can and you know the more people the more people who listen to it the more people who share the podcast with their friends the more likely we are to you know to to, to come back and, and make more episodes for you just like this one but for now we shall leave you I am Richard Brind and I am Paul Thomas and you've been listening to Lights Cameras Distractions <laughs>